podcast. Today we are speaking with Christine Dillion, who is the founder of a Denver-based organization called Moonshot Adventures. Moonshot Adventures surfaces and supports diverse leaders to design and launch the schools of tomorrow. It envisions a learner-centered system led by individuals who share and empathize with the experience of the students and communities they aim to serve, where all children become lifelong learners who persist through life and meaningfully contribute to their communities. Enjoy the conversation. Christine, thank you so much for doing this on a Saturday. Thanks for I'm having me. I'm glad we could, uh, we could make this work. And why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Moonshot, what you guys do. And I'd love to hear a little bit about the genesis of the organization. What, how did it come about? What was the problem you're trying to solve? And we'll go from there. Sure. So um, my name is Christine DeLeon. I, obvious, I, I oftentimes go by CDL. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes things easier. That's your email. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. You know, Moonshot, our primary goal is really to surface and support a diverse group of folks to design and start new schools. And when we think about schools, we really want them to be different than the way we see school right now. And when we talk about that, those are things like, uh, you know, students have ownership and agency. We're co-creating with families, students, and teachers. We're pushing for academics, but we're also pushing beyond academics. So saying, what does it mean to prepare a student for the world, we use the wonky terms of personalized and deeper learning. And, and lastly, we think about a place where people want to work. So mm-hmm. we really think about doing school differently. In some ways, it can be like wildly breakthrough and crazy. Mm-hmm. But in other ways, I think when we think about doing school differently, it's actually just uh, the, both the design and the creation of the school are different, right? That's everything from how we engage the community from the start rather than bringing them a plan and, and going with it um, to how they're involved in that process over time. And I think a lot of what our our leaders want to do in their schools are, are making sure our students are known, loved, and kind of appreciated for all of their, their strengths um, and interests. And so um, when thinking about how to do school differently, and I'll talk about how I ended up there, Uh, the leaders that we try to find are local folks here in Denver who have connections to their community. Um, And then we take them through a a fellowship program. It's a year-long program. And I think different than a lot of other school incubators or leadership development programs, we actually focus on both. So we say, yes, the school design matters. How you design that school, what it looks like is really important. And who you are as a leader in some ways is actually even more important Mm. because oftentimes I think when we're entrepreneurs, we believe the idea is the thing that people want to invest in, but the reality is it's the entrepreneur that folks want to invest in. And so we spend a lot of time with our fellows, helping them understand their own leadership, all of the things it takes to open a school. And oftentimes because we're working with folks who are underrepresented in the entrepreneurship space, they often don't see themselves uh, as entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and like have kind of like lost themselves in their own work. And so we also have them really think hard about who they are as people, like their full identities and seeing their identities as assets and bringing those identities into their school. So the heart of our program is our school launcher fellowship, as I mentioned. Uh, and then we do a whole bunch of community building work here in Denver too to build our pipeline. Um, when I think about, people ask me a lot about why I started Moonshot, and the funny answer to that is like, 
it was the last ditch effort for me to want to stay in education as opposed to saying I wanted to leave. So what I think um, what I think about is is interesting. So I've been uh, in the ed space now for yikes, almost a decade and a half, um, and you know I started when I started in education. I worked at a foundation. Um, and that foundation, I think, was oftentimes seen as right, like the, the foundation that wanted to privatize education and the idea of bringing business folks into the world just felt very, you know, uh, the community just wasn't a part of that process. But it, we were excited about the metrics and the data and all of those pieces. And so that's where I started my education career. A lot of that work also was focused on school leadership and believing school leaders mm-hmm. were at the center of the work and like. They were the make or break of what was going to happen. And from there, I got my first opportunity to actually become an entrepreneur. So I ended up, um, there was a fellowship program that was available and I applied for it. And my idea was actually bringing young folks from the private sector, which is where I had started my own career and having them work in education. In some ways it was like the way we would call it is like the Teach for America mm-hmm. for central office roles, which makes it completely not exciting, yeah. but in, in essence was what we were doing. We were bringing folks who kind of hated their jobs in the private sector and said, hey, come work in education and use your skills around analytics, project management. And, uh, it was called the Analyst Fellowship. We did yeah. that with Education Pioneers. So I loved that. I loved the idea of kind of creating something from scratch. I loved the idea of seeing myself as an entrepreneur and saying, hey, even with just a few years of experience, I can make something happen. Um, so I did that, and then I realized I knew nothing about education. So I left, went to grad school, mm-hmm. um, and in grad school realized uh, the way in which we had been doing school started to lose the essence of like how students learn best, yeah. how people learn best. And I started to get curious about like if we were to do school differently or actually just like reorient back around how we learn, what would school look like? And so that brought me to Denver. I worked um, a little bit for the district and realized I am not a, I'm not good at bureaucracy, much, much better slated for entrepreneurship. Um, had a couple different projects and then at some point was just kind of like, am I really doing what I want to be yeah. doing? Am I making any impact? I'm working really hard. I felt like I wasn't moving the needle. I felt like we as a sector here, like in the K-12 U.S education system just felt like we had been spinning our wheels for 10 years and there was just a lot left to be done and a lot of the students that I feel like we were trying to serve particularly our students of color were still you know there was still a performance academic gap at least between them and their white counterparts and so uh it was the point at which you know and now I'm in my 30s I'm kind of like time is precious yeah I feel like I learned that uh you know, in the last couple of years. And I just wanted to spend my time on something that really mattered to me. And so to me, when I think about that, I also say like, what's my unique contribution Mm -hmm. to this work? And I oftentimes want to look back to my own career and say, what are the unique kind of weird experiences that maybe don't seem like they can fit together? But they do add up. But yeah, exactly, add them up. Someone said that's kind of like a Frankenstein background uh, (laughs) is what what it is. Um, But what it it meant was um, in creating Moonshot, which I think at the heart of it is really saying school leaders are the ones who can design the school, right? And we can do Mm -hmm. school differently. It was kind of the blend of those two worlds and also saying to do this work, you need to be pretty entrepreneurial, which is something that I really enjoyed. The things that were missing for me though, that in, in my experience were, one, I had done a lot of the work nationally and I was feeling really disconnected to my local community here in Denver and said like, what would it be like 
to actually do this work here in Denver and to be place-based and to say like, let me understand the city, the people who are in it, inside education, outside education, people who usually get to be at the conference tables, you know, the conferences or at the table when making decisions. And also let me dig deep enough into this community where people who typically aren't tapped or seen as leaders mm-hmm. might actually be where our leaders are, right? Yeah. They're like deep in communities that when we just try to cream the top, we never really find them. Um, and I think that happens oftentimes when we're working nationally. Uh, and then the second piece was to say, I think we needed, my hypothesis, right, or the theory was if we were to do school differently, particularly for our students of color and here in Denver, there's a widening achievement gap for mm-hmm. our students of color and our white students. It's not that there is one, it actually is widening. My theory was like working harder, faster, more efficiently was not going to cut it. That we actually had to think about a new kind of um, group of leaders that yeah. thought about the world differently, that saw the world differently. Some of that was because they hadn't been part of the quote unquote education reform movement here. And some of that was because they grew up in the communities where they actually wanted to build a school. Yeah. And so I just felt like there was a cool intersection of school leadership, doing school differently, entrepreneurship, doing it locally with the lens around diversity um, of those leaders in a way that I hadn't actually seen. And so it's it's funny when people try to talk about us, it's hard to find our our best um, analogy in terms of analogous organization, but um, it's pretty exciting to be here now. I've only spent a week here, but this, it felt like there was something in the water here where everyone we spoke with, right, whether it was Nathan at Hardenu, and I know Wisdom, I think, is a parallel, the folks at Teach for America, Damien, and maybe we just self-selected them, but it felt like there was this orientation around listening to the kids and the community and building vision and designing bottom up. Yeah. And I wonder, is that just the bubble that we hung around in or is that more <laughs> pervasive here in Colorado and Denver or is that more than just the way uh, educators nationally are thinking about what's your sense? It's a, such a good question. I think in some ways, so I think in some ways there is a group of leaders that's kind of coming through the ed reform system mm-hmm. that says like a lot of the reform we did in this country over the last 10 to 20 years is doing two things Mm -hmm. to community, not with community. Um, I think the way there's a heightened sense, I think of folks, especially, I think, I think it comes from folks, um, who have felt marginalized in this space and also feeling like Mm -hmm. things have been done to them and not with them. I think carry this mindset of inclusion. I mean, there's like, you know, random childhood stories that I can point to that like, make inclusion a part of how I think about our work. Um, And so I think there's like a general sentiment that I think we need to be doing more with community than we have been previously. I think some of it is also some self-selection here, Mm -hmm. but I think everyone believes community is now in many ways more important, not more important, but like there's a heightened focus on it than there was before. I think we were in a world before where efficiency was the goal Mm -hmm. and and community engagement and input takes a lot of time. I'm sure Nathan may have talked about that. Wisdom can tell you about that. Like it's a lot easier for two people to put a plan together in a room than try to like thoughtfully engage a broader group of people. But I also will say, maybe I should say, but also, but, and also like, I think Denver tends to be 
somewhat action oriented sometimes, you know, like we are, mm. we have a reputation, I think even in this country to say Denver's innovative. And so if there's something new, we'll probably be quick to try it. And I think we have this really nice mix of kind of like big city reputation, mm-hmm. but like small town agility, right? Yeah. Like nimbleness to do the work. Like we're, I'm working with Damien on a project. Wisdom is a fellow I've known Nathan yeah. for a couple years, right? Like we know each other in this ecosystem in some ways as human beings, which means the depth at which we can collaborate with one another is very different than if it's a, you know, a massive ecosystem where it's really hard to form yeah. really close relationships. And not to say that we all here share exactly the same agenda, but I think we are close enough that we can kind of push each other um, to think differently about something. And I often think about like bending, not breaking is the, is the goal there, right? Yeah. And that is something that I think we we do. And even Damien and I sit in conversations and can say like, yes, we agree on this thing. And have you thought about X? And yeah. so it's interesting. I think there's some convergence here too, just because we're all so close yeah. um, to see some values that some folks really hold true to start kind of uh, seeping into how other people think about their work. Right, right, right. So, so you start moonshot with a few assumptions saying, if we get these local leaders, listen to the community in the design, we can do schools differently. Yeah. And as you look back now, what, how has your understanding of what the solution might be uh, changed? How has it? Yeah. So I think one of the, there's a couple things. I think probably one of the most interesting things for us um, and, you know, as we're sitting here in the Ed Garage, which is really about education entrepreneurship and something um, we've talked about is, you know, when I think about school founders, when I think thought about like where they would come from, I just assumed they would come from naturally from the pool of folks who saw themselves mm-hmm. as education entrepreneurs. And some of them wanted to create tech tools, but then some of them yeah. wanted to create schools like that was the assumption and um, in doing work here around education entrepreneurship, we found very few school founders um, in that work. And what's interesting is in our cohort of last year of 16, the majority of them actually came from some community building work that happened fairly, pretty much by accident. Um, our talk to action work, which was really centered around racial, ju- which was and still is centered around racial justice and issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We found a lot of our fellows coming from that lens. And I think it's not about like what's new and sexy and innovative that brings people to the table. It's a a shared set of values um, that people hold that that I think got people excited about Moonshot even when we had no track record, right? Like there was nothing there. All we said was, we believe in you as a leader, give us a chance. It's like three months and if it, it's terrible, you can leave us. And here's what we care about, right? We care about local leadership, we care about communities, we care about students having ownership mm-hmm. over their lives, right? We think it's it's led by, like the new work that has to happen is led by more women, more people mm-hmm. of color. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in a city that has been dominated primarily by white male voices and leadership, that was a really powerful space for people to say, there's something here that I haven't experienced yeah. and I want to experience something different and I'm hungry for it. But it wasn't because it was like new and sexy. It was just like a values-based, it was us putting out our values as an organization and folks feeling like the set of values they carried were felt close to us, right? And that I think is probably the most interesting thing, right? Because I think for a while in education, we never even talked about our values. We just said, you know, data and 
numbers or what we need to get to. And not that those are bad. I would never want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it was... It's necessary, it's, but not sufficient. Yeah, it's it, Yeah. Completely. So I think that's, that's probably the most interesting one. The reason that I think that's also interesting is it's the same problem that comes with entrepreneurship in general. And again, here in the U.S., that primarily is like white and male. Yeah. Because those are the folks who say, like, I am a badass. I can do this work. I also have, like, the time and space and money to do that and fall back resources if it doesn't work. And the folks we're working with are, you know, either coming from low-income backgrounds, their parents, they're taking on the quote-unquote invisible load at school because they're the only teacher or leader of color. So all of those students you know, are going to them for emotional supports. And so it's exhausting, right? Yeah. Like we do this program with them on nights and weekends. So it is on top of their day job. And we thought that that would work, this part-time thing, but it also is the reality of like, continuing to add the load like we care a lot about burnout and making Mm -hmm. sure folks don't burn out and it's hard I think it's hard to be entrepreneurial and keep that going when you don't have the privilege of like time connections money all of the things um so it's hard it's exhausting right and I I think we thought we could just like keep pushing people but um realizing that like the self-care aspect of it the the rejuvenation is is just as important as like the grind itself it's the activists burnout exactly Yeah. Um, and you preempted a little bit of my next question. That's one of my favorite questions to ask is, in your time in building Moonshot, where have you been pleasantly surprised in the assumptions that you made? So you started this, you said, the things which are not going to work, people are going to you know, react in a certain way, whether it's stakeholders, whether it's the community, these fellows. And where were you pleasantly surprised to say, Oh, damn, I never thought about this. I <laughs> thought this was going to be a challenge. And I asked this in the spirit yeah. of learning. You know? Yeah, no, no, no. There's so, there are a couple of things that are really exciting for us. I mean, we just um, are finishing up recruitment for our second cohort. Uh, and right before I was here, I was putting together the kind of the statistics and the numbers of kind of the breakdown of our fellows. And, you know, when I first started this, this work, you know, folks said, oh, there, there's nobody who wants to start a school, and there are definitely no people of color who want to start a school here. And our first cohort was 11 of 16 people of color. Mm-hmm. This next cohort is like all but two fellows will be will identify as people of color. And I think what I get excited about is, yes, the schools are going to be really, really interesting. But on top of that, I think we're doing things that are setting a different narrative out there to say there's leadership here we haven't tapped into it. And there are more people than just one cohort, yeah. right? I think some might, some folks might say, well, that was a fluke, or you kind of found the only 16 people that are like interested in this work. And I mean, it's probably not su- surprising. It feels like common sense now, but you know, it just kind of sets waves out there, right? And, and then when folks like Wisdom and Nathan are doing this work, folks can start to see themselves in doing this work as well. And so it becomes this like amazing contagious energy among folks who never thought that they would be able to do this work to see our fellows out there going up and and saying, we're gonna open a school and open that school among a sea of like lots of systems of oppression um, and racism and say like, we're just gonna take it head on. And you know what makes it really easy to take that head on or not easy, but easier is to do that in community with one another, right? And that's like what, you know, entrepreneurship is really lonely and it's really hard to do it alone. And I think that community of practice is critical. Um, 
And that is something that I intentionally wanted to build into the program, right? I didn't want to find one or two people. I wanted to find this, this huge group of individuals. And even if not all of them start a school, which was the plan all mm -hmm. along that we think sometimes folks should be able to opt out yeah. of something to say like, either this isn't for me or I'm not ready or whatever it is. And we wanted to give people a ramp off of that. That still means those 16 people that we worked with last year are still really close to one another. And now we're like helping each other in the ecosystem, right? We have one of our fellows helping Nathan and Wisdom at one of their centers, right? And some folks that are fellows helping that person. Yeah, across cohorts people. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so we get excited about the network effect of the work. So yeah. it's not just, it's not just about the school. It's about seeing kind of a different group of folks leading. It's about them presenting ideas about school differently, and it's about building a network. It's just, it's a, it looks so different, I think, for people, and I, we hold these events probably every four months or so for, we had a showcase or a meet and greet, and it just, I think people leave there saying like, I just felt really inspired yeah. by what was there. And the schools aren't even open yet, yeah. but it just prompts people to yeah. think differently, and I think being provocative about how to do work differently and inspiring people to say, you know, there could be a different kind of leader, there could be a different type of school. I think just build some like really nice energy in this ecosystem. When I think, you know, honestly in the ed space here, and I think across the country, like at this last um, conference I was at, big national conference, someone was like, it feels like the theme here when I check in with people is like, they're just exhausted, mm -hmm. right? And, and to find some like moments of inspiration among the exhaustion, I think is what keeps me going yeah. too. Inspiration is contagious. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and how do you think about scale uh, for Moonshot? Um, and I ask this specifically in the context of context, right? So sometimes we can create something deep and powerful in a context, and then try to scale it to other contexts, yeah. but forget that the first prototype or the first. Uh, first set of solutions was built, keeping in mind totally. Denver and Colorado. And so when you think about either you know, expanding beyond Denver or even you know, in, in your local context, what are some of your big guiding posts and this is, this is how we want to scale or not scale? I, I have such a love-hate relationship with scale, so it's funny. And I'm now wishing I pulled up this article that, uh, that I was talking about with, uh, that I was thinking about when Nathan was with us the other day. Um, is that the growth and scale? There, yeah, but there's like there's like different ways to think about scale. Oh, there's yeah. like spread. You know, there's like all these other ways of scaling that yeah. aren't just like <laughs> take my organization and duplicate it in others. Yeah. Like take a cookie cutter model yeah. of it and and build it out elsewhere. It is funny, right? Because we're this kind of early stage school incubator, um, creating new schools with diverse talent. It is, those are like the very sexy things. We're like the very trendy thing in education right now here. Yeah. So we are asked oftentimes by other cities, like, would you move here? Do you want to expand mm -hmm. here? With the enticement of, right, like bigger dollars. Yeah. And that's always, as a, as a founder, it always becomes quite enticing to say, oh, well, maybe I'll just take on the city because, you know, a half a million dollars comes along with it. And that goes a long way in the early startup mode. But there's something really beautiful about being place-based, which is why I struggle with scales, because when I was on the national side, we always thought about scale. But when I see that, what it does is it, it quickly dismisses things if they're not working, and we often look elsewhere to say, okay, this team's not ready. Okay, that's fine. We'll just look for another team in Tulsa 
instead. But that team still exists, right? Mm. And so I, when, you know, like, when that team exists in Denver, I, I have a very different level of ownership over them because I will see that person every day mm-hmm. in my space. I know the kids that they're working with. I develop those relationships and I now will pour everything I have into that person in a very different way than I, if I said, if I go national, I have a hundred options. So I'll just leave that team behind and find a new team that's more ready. I think it in thinking about national, which I know is different, a little bit different than scale, I think we sometimes take the easy way out, the easy route out of, of, of supporting cities and people, which I just don't feel really good about anymore. But I think if we're if Moonshot were to scale to another city, I would say there has to be someone locally that mm-hmm. takes on a similar role to me that builds those deep relationships yeah. at the grass tops and the grassroots level. We will, you know, share our leadership competency framework, all of our workshop content, the facilitators that we bring in, all of our design principles, our school design rubric, right? Like all the tools we have, some of those things are completely transferable. But at the end of the day, I think for Moonshot Successful, because we are we are relationship-based. Mm. We build a lot of social capital locally. I do think my, I, I try hard to build good relationships and know what's happening in this ecosystem because my fellow's ability to be successful relies on me to be able to navigate the politics and, and you know, the navigation of this ecosystem. I couldn't do that in a Minneapolis or San Antonio or Tulsa, you know, another city where I don't have those roots yeah. and I don't have those connections. And so the way I would think about scaling is it's got to be with someone locally who can build it from the ground up and we would assist them. But I don't know, scale is hard. I think scale starts to, to your point, like once we think about scale, we lose the uniqueness of mm-hmm. a context that oftentimes is what creates sustainability and ownership of the work from people that, you know, weren't the ones at the helm or at, at leadership of that. And so, I don't know, I, I'm like really, <laughs> I, I battle with my board members actually about this right now because some of them love the place-based idea and some of them love scale. And I, I think about impact, right? I think about the, the problems that we have here around the kinds of schools we have and the leaders here are not unique to Denver. And so mm-hmm. it feels like a missed opportunity if we don't try something. But it is, it is hard when I feel so engrossed in this ecosystem, even sometimes to go to a conference mm-hmm. in another city for three days because I'm like, ugh, I feel like I'm probably missing something. And at the same time, I'm probably learning something at that conference that I can bring back. So I don't know, scale is really hard. Um, I could see us doing it in this ecosystem. I like the idea of a tipping point locally to yeah. say, if we have enough people in this ecosystem and enough schools, do we start actually making change beyond the schools that yeah. we're starting? I, I do think sometimes you underestimate, going back to the point of inspiration, the role of inspiration can have in scaling without you doing anything else totally. other than doing what Moon doing. Ventures in Denver well. Yeah, yeah right? that's right. Um, and I've just seen so many examples of that. In some ways, I'm beginning to get convinced that the way to do it is to do that one thing really well. Yeah. And it might not in the short term feel like, you know, we're leveraging its impact to get to more people. But then when that tipping point does come over and different folks around the country begin to take over, yeah. it'll far exceed anything that one organization could have done. I totally agree with you. And I think it's part of the reason I am torn sometimes around like I love our program, I love our fellows, I love the work, but I also love like these conversations 
I do love actually talking about our work when we're at conferences locally or nationally because there's a set of principles, right, that are guiding our work, a set of values. And it feels like in some ways just kind of sharing the, those nuggets of knowledge and people taking that back to their own organizations in many ways is more powerful than us adding two or three FTEs and mm -hmm. like a 10 city expansion over five years, you know, strategic plan. So I think about that a lot, but it is also hard as a, you know, a startup founder to say, when are we thinking about kind of knowledge push out versus yeah. kind of building our own program? Uh, that is definitely the tension that I feel now. It's a good tension to have. It's a good problem to yeah. have, but it, I don't know. <laughs> it's something I think about a lot. Yeah. And my last question, and we can, if you have more, I think I can frame those as questions. But uh, I, so one of the things lately I've been obsessed about is like within the systems thinking um, framework, the idea of what's out there is in here, which is to say the growth, the successes, the challenges that my system, which in this case, let's say Moon Ventures is seeing, is reflective of my own leadership and journey. Right? So I wonder how, you know, through the many, many different rich professional experiences that you've had, how have you grown in your own leadership? What have you learned about that? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm honestly in a constant place of learning. Mm -hmm. I try to keep the stance of learning all the time. Um, man, what have I learned? You know, what's really, there's like a moment that I remember actually that I think has, has been the impetus of why Moonshot exists. I, I started as a strategy consultant. And so I think oftentimes I was rewarded to like not have an opinion, but just like listen to the opinions of others, mm -hmm. synthesize it and like put mm -hmm. it in a PowerPoint mm -hmm. deck. Um, and that signaled success. And so I think much earlier in my career was very hesitant to put out my own belief system mm -hmm. into the world. Um, and I remember I was sitting in my own, my own like leadership seminar and, you know, someone was saying, you know, do we need to engage the community more or is it about efficiency? It's kind of this value tension of those two things, community and efficiency. And I was like, well, it could be a little bit of both, such and such. And the person who was leading the seminar was like, choose something, mm -hmm. you know? And that was the point where I was, you know, it was the first time that in a public space with like 25 people who I really respected had to say, I think we haven't done enough work with the community and I think that's problematic. Mm -hmm. But it was the first time for me to publicly say, like what I cared about, what I believed in. And it was, it's hard, right? And I actually think as like an entrepreneur of color or a person of color in this space, for me, I, there was often a lot of like assimilation to the space that I was in and not having an opinion was a much safer space to be in. Um, and it feels a lot more vulnerable to put myself out there and put out a set of beliefs. And what I think is, what I, I mean, it's maybe not surprising, but it was, it's been like pretty transformational for me is the more I lead out with my values, the more I think other folks are also, you know, motivated. I don't, wouldn't say inspired because inspired feels like too strong of a word, but like, like motivated to put their own values yeah. out there. I yeah. think that is like, like how I lead, um, 
I think creates space for other folks to lead in the same way, for better, <laughs> for better or for worse. I think it creates psychological safety when the leader demonstrates certain behavior. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so I just think that's interesting. I think it's sometimes hard to put oneself out there. I think there's a lot of risk involved in yeah. that. Um, and that risk becomes easier when there is a community of people when you know there's a community of people behind you with like you falter or by yeah. falter or whatever that 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 I think that combination of those two things I think is what will allow a whole bunch of different exciting I don't know like authentic things to happen and that's part of what I'm excited about right like again the schools thing it, I'm really excited about that too but the, to me there's just so many other benefits to the way in which we do the work that I hope just kind of instills the same practices into the fellows we work with, the students they work with, the families they work with, and it just kind of like permeates out in the community. Um, and some of those things have nothing to do with schools. And I'm like just as happy about that. Actually, it was Wisdom who asked me this uh, when we, I was interviewing him for the fellowship. And he was like, what? He's like, what, if it, what happens if you fail, right? Like what, what will you do if this whole thing fails, if Moonshot fails? And I was just like, you know what? I don't think, I don't see any of it as failure, right? I think every step of the way, we're, we're proving out something that someone didn't believe was possible. And when we don't figure something out, we are truthful about it and we learn from it and we help others learn from it. And to me, that doesn't count as failure. That's just to what you say, it's learning. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's helpful for folks to realize like, I think it's only failure if you stop trying. And, I, and otherwise, it's just learning.